This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylock. And we're just two guys with the Northern Choice now, but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're being sad pieces of shit who can't even run our paper business or commit suicide right, as we're talking about spine number 104 in the Criterion Collection, Mashahiro Shinoda's double suicide from 1969. But first, RJ, yeah, uh, double down to have another week of mermaids and beta cucking and all that oh. fun stuff. No, not quite. I did go out for uh, that St. Patrick's Day. Oh, uh, went out with uh, Ham Meat. He's always good for uh, for the boozing, for the cruising, mm-hmm. things like that. So, uh, no, we went out. We didn't get into too much heavy action, but uh, I was real hot in that March Madness. You watched that NCAA basketball, Jarrett? Uh, is that like pro wrestling? Close. It's a tournament fighter style so it is so it is yeah it's like uh you start off with teams and through elimination you have less teams until there is only one fascinating of true um (laughs) i do know that that there was uh with ncaa there was like a wrestling tournament that was happening at the same time but it gets like buried Mm -hmm. because it's not basketball and like you know most more people care about basketball but i know that there's that that uh kyle snyder guy who's like Mm -hmm. this like super athlete who's just beating the shit out of people left and right he like faced some dude like 80 pounds bigger than him and he still beat him but he, he didn't go mm. in there he, he fought the smart wrestle and uh i'm sure it's just like basketball and drinking right it's pretty close i know sports okay i never thought you did no yeah. well now you so, now you know now you do know uh, that I, I know all the sports well, uh, I figured that you're just a nerd and you don't really know what a sport is. But anyways, I uh, like that NCAA because at uh, the Cow Palace in Lethbridge, Alberta, we do a tournament. 16 people. Everyone puts in 100 bucks. You get four teams. And you're guaranteed a, a one to four seeded team, a five to nine, ten to twelve. 13 to 16. Anyways, you're guaranteed one in all those four spots, and you get four four teams. And uh, I got two teams left, baby, so I'm feeling pretty good. Jared doesn't even – look, he's Sweet. not even listening. He's not even listening. But you know what? I bet there's one guy out there who's like, who's your teams, man? And I'll tell you, man. I got seated number one, Villanova, who I'm hoping they can, uh, you know, keep going. And uh, my hot team, Jared. Uh, my number 11 seed, who no one thought was going to get anywhere, Loyola, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, they are coming in hot. I'm rooting for them. They have a 90-year, 98-year-old nun who comes and cheers at the sideline. She played on the women's team, and uh, she's a good luck charm, baby. Fascinating. Well, what else are we going to talk about? I don't know. We watched like two movies this week. I, I watched like two wa- movies this I week. I watched like four movies. Uh, five I, kind of. And five and a half because I talked about one because I was in the middle of watching it last week before we recorded. Uh, so yeah, I watched a lot of movies. Um, I just want to take an opportunity to bury a, a local restaurant. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> who, uh, I don't who, even, I don't even know. What? Okay, so this restaurant, I keep hearing from people. They keep telling me, hey, J-Dog, you got to check out this Sawa Japanese house. It's over on the west Uh-oh. side. You got to check it out. It's great. And I'm like, cool. So I crept on their Facebook page, saw, oh, yeah, that sounds like it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> then, But then I saw at some point, like, 
the owner or somebody was like in some sort of like car accident and now they're dealing with whiplash. And okay. I was like, huh, okay. And like, that was like a week or so ago. I go over there today and like, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go there and eat because I'm on my own this week. And uh, this is a mm-hmm. great time to try this meal out because I have nothing planned for supper. I drive over there. I notice the parking lot's kind of on the empty side. I go up to okay. the door and I just start pulling on it. And it's not opening. And I'm looking at the sign. There's nothing saying that they're closed. And it mm-hmm. says, yep, they open at 4.30 and it's 5.15. It's dinner rush. And I just like <laughs> try the door again. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm not eating here. Come home, check out their Facebook page. And I guess like, unless you follow them on Facebook, that's where they posted that, oh, we're going to be closed tomorrow because they have like therapy or something like that for their this whiplash. And I'm just like... That's really not a great way to run a restaurant. I mean, it sucks that they were in a car accident and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like kind of outside their control. But I don't know, man. Restaurant business, you can't really afford to be closed at random places because there will be people far less understanding than me who will get very mad uh, and never come back ever again. You know what, Jared? Yeah. It sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> it's, it's, this is this is my beef. Well, I... I just wanted some. I, I wanted some curry ramen, man. That's like fucking all I, I feel, wanted in my life, and like then I got I had nothing, so I had to come home eat a, a tofu like that's scramble unfair, wrap. Though I mean, they were closed. They were it's closed, not their fault, but they didn't put anything on their door. <laughs> like I had to like uh-huh. go to their Facebook page, and it's like so. What were you, what were you digging through dumpsters? You're like, oh, I have nothing to. No, eat. I I came home and I had like I threw like a tofu scramble wrap into the microwave because I have to record this stupid uh, podcast every week. That and, sounds horrible. And so like yeah, because I'm in bachelor mode, uh, I I didn't get my uh, roast chicken from yesterday. That's usually on Tuesdays, mm-hmm. and then that carries over to this meal where I get chicken breast. I didn't have that. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be adventurous. Try out this Japanese place that everyone's given props to, and uh, well, here I am, eating my uh, fucking frozen burrito. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, you sound like a real Melvin, and real I think Melvin. I think the fans will, will agree. <laughs> so email in if you think Jarrett's a Melvin and that uh, he needs to learn how to cook his own goddamn chicken. Well, the punk, it, it, you know, the roasted chicken takes some time, and which I don't have. Uh, that's the nice thing about having a partner, but when that partner's not around, uh, you know, decisions have to be made. Got to, got to figure things out. And I thought I had figured them out pretty well. And, uh, I, I, you know, that shows me don't assume anything. I think you've just got to free up your ironclad schedule and you'll, uh, have some more time to experiment with cooking or this experience will show you how much you really appreciate your significant other and you'll, uh, you'll do the right thing. Um, and much like the review of this movie today. Do the right thing. Top both no. of us to kill ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Double anyway, suicide. so, uh, but I will give props to uh, Amy's Tofu Scrambles. Uh, uh, they're, they're very good. I never had one before. There was one in the uh, freezer, and that's uh, Chanel food, and uh, I usually don't touch it. And then I was like, well, I'll have that. And it was actually really tasty. Some spinach, tofu, kind of like some sort of egg approximation, I think. Very good, though. I'll, I would definitely have it again. We are we I'm, are I'm in giving, no way. I'm, I'm giving a yeah. thumbs up. We are in no RJ. way getting any monetary uh, None. Uh, things for this endorsement. Mm. However, if they are interested, we're open. We uh, we're currently open to investors. Um, Pizza Hut has has not made the first move yet, so we're still waiting. Yeah, you are still st- waiting. You are still tag them, man. I know. Um, I. I know. I just polished off myself a um, 
skinny Coke can of Diet Coke Ginger Lime because they're really targeting those millennials. And I guess people like to have mm-hmm. less beverage and skinny cans because it makes them feel young or something or hip. It that's, tastes that's like what, sure tastes like Diet Coke to me. That's like what those girls like with the the men, the skinny weens, because it makes them feel hip. Skinny weens. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ooh, all right then. Uh, hey RJ, what you been creeping on? Well, Jared, I'll be honest with you, not a whole hell of a lot. I spent the weekend uh, working, yeah, and watching basketball, mm-hmm. and I didn't really watch a whole lot. I watched a few things though for you. One thing I'll just gloss over, as it is a future mm. Criterion I, creep. I did not know you watched this till like a half hour ago. Ah, really? You were seeing what if I had any hot uh, smoke to throw at you this week? I, I usually like to do some uh, prep for what you viewed. Mm, I don't like that. I like being totally taken by surprise, like <laughs> much like my women. Ugh. That came off weird, but I meant I like to be taken by surprise mm. by my women. It, it, do you okay. do you see? Okay. You see? Okay. Mm. Anyways, uh, I watched um, since we were hot on uh, Guillermo del Toro. GDT. Uh, GDT. Um, I found out this week that uh, Andy had never seen Pan's Labyrinth, and I was like, that can't be true. I was like, that's one of my favorite movies. I'm sure I've showed you that at some point in our nine year tenure of uh, being bonded. And she's like, I don't think so. She's like, does it sound like it? Maybe it was a different girlfriend. And I was like, maybe. Uh-oh. The other maybe. girlfriend. The other girlfriend. Uh, so I watched Pan's Labyrinth. And I realized that I hadn't seen this movie in like five, ten years. Maybe. Like yeah. not. Maybe like ten years. It came out in 2006. That, that's like one of the themes of our show is like we always say we haven't seen this. Like I often say like I haven't seen this yeah. movie for like five, ten, fifteen years. And it's like. <laughs> Five to 15 years, yeah, some, anywhere in between. Somewhere in between. Well, I definitely know it's yeah. not five because I've been keeping track since 2011. So I, I, I know it's definitely usually, if it's longer than that, it's got to be at least uh, seven years now, RJ. I'll, I'll put it like this. At least seven to 10 years I haven't okay. uh, seen this yeah. this yeah. film. So uh, uh, this one holds a special place for me. I was like, I love that movie. When I saw that Fishman movie, I was like, shit don't hold nothing on Pan's Labyrinth. And uh I can happily say uh, it holds up, and it was true. It It is far and away better than anything he's ever made. Um, I think that movie is super terrific. I think it's great, and we'll talk about it again one day. Yeah, we'll talk about those mandrakes. Those mandrakes? Hey, I like that. I mean, I it's a little Harry Pottery. y uh, There was a... F- I, I, okay, so I think... Um, was that what... Hey, when you messaged me the other day saying, a- Andrea wants to watch something like Harry Potter, but not Harry Potter recommendations? That, yeah, that's why I watched Pan's Labyrinth. Because we woke up on Sunday, and it was the only day that... Uh, like, Because I worked on Saturday, and then I went out to hang with Hammy Saturday night. So Sunday morning, we got up, we did our things, we got our groceries, we did our cooking, we did our cleaning. And then we sat down, relaxed. She's like, I want to watch something like Harry Potter, but not Harry Potter. And I was like, oh, fuck. It's like, what are we going to watch? Uh, I've been saving up uh, King Arthur for myself because I, I feel like that's going to be a really good one. Uh, oh, I should mention we watched 20 minutes of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. And Andrea said, no, thank you. Nice. She just tapped right out of that. Fucking awesome. Uh, I, I will say she's only seen probably <laughs> three Marvel movies, I think. Yeah. She has seen uh, the first Thor. She has seen <sighs> the Avengers. Uh-huh. And she has seen... 
maybe Ant-Man because Paul Rudd is in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she is not the target audience for this, nor am I. But uh, I do like I don't like the Marvel stuff, but I do have a soft spot for Thor. And uh, I like Taiki Watiti as a friend of the show that taught me how to say one time. Yeah, I'll I'll finish it one day, but uh, I can see where it kind of lost her. Uh, It is like it's straight comedy, but some of it is like shtick slapstick comedy and i was like okay and she she just felt like really out of the loop she's like i feel like i need to have seen the other movies and i was like i don't think so i was like you're not really missing anything i was like oh i was like you don't really need to know anything she's like i still feel out of the loop though so i guess maybe maybe that's a knock on those movies that a person can't just fall into one of them and enjoy it because they're like yeah what did i miss in the first 20 minutes, Benedict Cumberbatch is there for like five minutes, and you're just like, who the fuck is this guy? Oh, no. Doctor Strange. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, uh, in the first 20 minutes, I'm just going to talk about now. There were a couple jokes that I thought were okay, and uh, there were some jokes that I was like, ooh. Iki <laughs> Watiti, what are you doing, buddy? Uh, are you, you going to go back? Are you going to finish this on your own? I will, but I don't know when. It might be months from now. Oh, man. You'll have to start from scratch again. Watch yeah, those, I'll just. Watch those 20 minutes. Yeah, if I don't watch it in the next two, three weeks, I'll just start over in like two months. I, yeah, uh, I'll, we'll we'll get to it. But like, yeah, I, uh, I was trying to decide since I've got like this free time and I'm kind of like been feeling like a fat head and just like wanting to watch like nothing but like easy to watch movies. I was like, hmm. well, part of the reason is because like I saw on Letterboxd, there's like uh, under your all time views uh, on your profile, yeah. there's like a, there's like these little boxes that you can look at, like where it's like it tells you how many of the top 250 letterbox movies have you watched? How many yeah. of the top 250 letterbox? There's the one that's for like the top 100 box office movies, and yeah. that's like my lowest view. And it's at now Jump. it's at now it's at 48 uh, 49 because I watched a movie that was off of there, but like out of a hundred, I'm 49 out of a hundred. So I'm like, well, I could get up to 50 and I'll be at 50%. And that'll always change because movies will drop off of it. Uh, movies will add to it as well. Like black Panther is mm-hmm. like already like rising up on that list. But, uh, well, there's like so many of the superhero movies I haven't seen. And I'm like, well, I guess I could like take one of those on, but there's like that one uh, awesome, uh, sounding or not awesome movie, but like that one Chinese movie. It's like, wolf commander two or something like that and it's like it's like one of the highest grossing films of all time and it, it's, it only really came out in china but it made like half a billion dollars and it's just like this like right-wing propaganda movie that's just like action and mm-hmm. uh, i'm like well i gotta watch that that's an easy view but there's like all this other stuff like the marvel stuff and i'm like eh, yeah i can watch like guardians of the galaxy 2 i guess and get that out of the way um but it's, it's not that good it's on, it's on netflix so it's just there and i know it'll yep. be easy to watch and i can just roll my eyes but we'll get to what i watched um, okay. <laughs> hey so i was just looking at this uh my box office mojo all time 100 is at 72 yes everyone so i got they, i got you quite a bit yeah beat. no you uh yeah see i've got everyone else beat on that list oscar uh, best picture yeah, I'm, well, that's a hundred. That that, yeah. that that was like a pretty concerted effort. But yeah, like I was like checking out some uh, friends and uh, other people on the show, and I was like, oh man, everyone like watches way more mainstream movies than I do, mm-hmm. and like whatever. But like for me, it's like that's like I guess a big gap in my viewing is like the biggest movies of all time that actually have like cultural like mm-hmm. relevance for the rest of the planet. And I'm like, oh, I'm like not part of this world. I guess I don't. I'm like <laughs> when I see Frozen, I'm like I remember seeing Frozen kind of on the TV when Chanel watched it. Like, sure. like a couple of years ago, and I was like, eh, this is just Disney, right? And there's like Beauty and the Beast, the live action one, because that movie's made so much mm-hmm. fucking money, and no one even talks about it. 
like I don't see no yeah. no one I know talks about that movie, and it's made so much money. And it's like, what? Yeah. Who are like Jurassic World is another one of those movies that's like on Netflix that I'm like I could watch that, mm. but mm-hmm. I'm like I wouldn't. See, that's the thing, right? Like no, like these movies, it's like I know they're not going to be good. I'm like mm-hmm. anything I've seen already, I've seen. I'm like, do I really want to watch more of these movies? Because all the posters are so bad, I fucking hate mm-hmm. them. Like just everything looks the same, the same color palettes over and over again. Ugh. Dude, yep. uh, anyway, I'm ranting about this, but it's like, uh, yeah, you are. Uh, there's like, but I have a list of like, kind of com- comprised of the other movies because, like, eventually, as we go through the Criterion Collection, we're going to knock off a whole slew of these movies, like Sight and Sounds, top 250. Uh, mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Yeah, I got to say, out of all these things, the one thing that I don't really feel like should be on this list is Edgar Wright's 1000 favorite movies yeah, who made it um, like I like Edgar Wright but who made him like the champion of fucking like film <laughs> like there's nerds. a lot of other people yeah like there's so many other people that like Martin Scorsese's top 10 films like I think that's a better list than that well, fucking but, 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 but he made a list of a thousand so it's even better <laughs> it's like he's, he's got this I don't know whatever it's i i know uh, i've got like i met i think i met i think i met i think yeah he sure did um but uh <laughs> uh i'm at like i think i'm at 800 for him uh yeah. i'm pretty sure or 799 i'm almost there almost I, uh, the last thing i'll say because we gotta get rolling nah. is my number or my number one watch writer is stephen king at 44 which oh. is pretty sweet my number one watch producer is mr harvey weinstein oh, what? at 63 films is that actually a, i didn't even know they showed they just added crew they just did Ooh. hey they just oh, added crew cool. my number one watch cinematographer is some guy named dean semler who the fuck is this Oh, he he does Adam Sandler movies and Gone Fishing and The Nutty Professor and Mad Max, The Road Warrior. What the fuck? He's Australian. And the crazy things you find on Letterboxd. There's a horrible, horrible Australian accent. Okay, I tried to drown you out. Jesus. But uh, interesting. Well, we can uh, we can delve more into this this weird and wacky world later. Yeah, I suppose. I guess so. Oh I don't know. God. My most watched movie since I've been keeping track, Night of the Living Dead. You know what mine is? So I've only been on Letterboxd for about like three, four years maybe. Mm-hmm. Four years? Uh, my number one watch movie is Batman v Superman with three watches, which is inaccurate. I mean, there's movies I've seen like a sure. thousand fucking times. So. Uh, okay, so RJ, Stop. for my Stop. crew, producers, Harvey Weinstein, for number ah. one, the number one slot. Writers, Stephen King. Uh, cinematographer oh. Roger Deakins, what a shock! Uh, yeah. Treg Brown is the editor. Ew. Uh, see, the problem with this is that most movies don't keep track of this information very well because it's like yeah. it's usually they only focus on like at most the writers. I, that would be the most yeah. heavily weighted. So it's only going to be your mainstream movies that really put it up there. Carl Stalling is my highest level composer. I wonder if he did a lot of Looney Tunes stuff. Probably. Oh, I, yeah. I yeah, it's yeah. all Looney. That's why. Because I've got, like, I kept track of my Looney Tunes viewing a while ago. Oh, yeah, there's Jerry Goldsmith. Inyo Morricone. There you go. What, no Hans Zimmer? What do you jump? No. Howard Shore is on there, though. I have 54 movies scored by Hans Zimmer in my composer thing. <laughs> yep. Weird. 
Isn't that crazy? It's, I don't know if people want to uh, hear us read it's, stats it's, anymore. Yeah, they do. Is Samuel Jackson your highest uh, actor? Fuck yeah, you know he is. I, but you, I, oh I, shit, I, you know who's pretty close? Who? Frank Welker. Do you know Frank Welker? Not offhand. He's a voice actor. For... From movies. I don't know. Well, my number He's one, my number one is Mel Dumbo? Blanc. Mel Blanc's my number guy, number one dude, because he did all those Looney Tunes. Yeah. But yeah, Samuel Jackson's like usually the most common one. He's in like every movie you've ever watched. And then I got, and it's very special. I got Charles Bronson at forty-eight films. Nice, that's real good. Yeah. My number three is a person I've never heard of. Is a lady named Mickey McGowan. Oh, I have no idea who she is. But all right. Okay. Okay. No stats. Yeah. See, no one cares about our stats. No. But if you want to know about my stats, email in. And if you Jared got, Duncan. And, and if you got a letterbox and you keep track of all your movies, you should check it, take a look at your stats too. I think you get more if you're a patron or a pro or at least at least a pro. Pro pro for sure, yeah. Yeah. And you look you look at your stats and data and go, mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So what else did you creep on, RJ? Ah, uh, well, I watched uh as some people might know, some people might not, Sunday was the birthday of God's favorite son, Mr. Brad Dourif. Mm-hmm. A longtime creep patron, a friend of the show, Brad Dourif. Um, one of my favorite actors. So I was like, I better watch a Brad Dourif movie. And I asked you what I should watch, uh, either future creep wise blood or a movie called Body Parts. And you said Body Parts. So I watched this thing called Body Parts from 1991, directed by a guy named Eric Red. Who has a pretty good track record. He did Bad Moon, uh, which is a pretty dope movie that we both liked. I think he's also that's the one with the uh, awesome. Yeah, bad, yeah, Bad Moon with the werewolf, and he also did yeah. uh, the Hitcher. Yeah, he wrote the Hitcher and uh, Near Dark. He also and killed the guy. <laughs> he also killed the. Oh, is he the one with the car? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's up there with uh, what's his name. You know the guy I always talk about, Ferris Bueller. Oh, Matthew Broderick. Yeah, he killed that Irish family or something, but <laughs> no one talks about that anymore. And <clears throat> anyways, so this movie, I was doing some digging, and it actually has a lot of Criterion alums. Uh, this movie has four writers. Eric Red is one. Norman Snyder is another, who wrote one of our top five Criterion creeps so far, Dead Ringers. Mm-hmm. He also has Pierre Boula and Thomas... Narcia Jack or something, <laughs> uh, who are big time Criterion alums uh, with Diabolic, uh, Diabolique, uh, Vertigo, mm, yes, and uh, the Diabolique remake that you watched, which yeah. you thought was very good. Rat, yeah, Rat Trash. Rat Trash. Uh, this Pierre Boulet guy also wrote Beneath the Planet of the Apes, so that's pretty cool. So what was I talking about? Body Parts. Right. So Body Parts is... Uh, Movie stars Jeff Fahey. You know that guy, uh, mm-hmm. what was his name, Loomis from Lost or something <laughs> yeah, like that? And, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Everyone loves bunch. Jeff Leahy. Yeah, uh, you might re- remember him as the lawnmower man, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Leahy. So Body Parts is a movie. Jeff Leahy plays this like uh, s- clinical psychologist, and he's working with like inmates on death row and people like that. He's writing some books. He's doing important stuff. He's on his way to work one day and he gets in a car accident, which is a really good stunt, actually. These like a trailer smashes into a car and you see the shit like some guy flew out a window, I think for sure. They may have killed someone on this set. <laughs> uh, but what happens is the guy uh, loses his arm 
and the wife goes to the emergency room and the doctor's like, all right, here's the deal. We are trying a new procedure. We're going to try to do a transplanted arm. We're going to Frankenstein this shit. Uh, we just need you to sign off. Your husband's unconscious. Tell us right now. And she's like, all right. She's like, all right. But what she doesn't tell him, Jared, is that these body parts. Uh, so Je- Jeff Fahey Loomis gets an arm. Uh, Mr. Brad Dourif gets another arm. And some really tall dude gets both the legs. And what they don't tell these guys is that the body parts are from a like just recently like Jeff Leahy's in the room recently executed uh, inmate on death row who uh, has like 90 counts of murder or something like that. Uh, So this is like, okay. so what, what happens is they like come out of it and they all go through rehab. And then, like, Brad Dourif is a painter, and he's, like, painting all this really grisly shit, like, from the murders. Uh, the basketball player is, like, driving really fast because his legs are crazy. And uh, Jeff Fahey is, like, doing all sorts of crazy shit. He's hitting his kids. He's trying to molest his wife. He's got all these crazy dreams about killing people. So uh, what's happening is the limbs are, like, transferring the serial killers like mind into them basically and like making them do things uh i first saw this idea on a treehouse of horror where homer gets snakes hair in a hair transplant uh so i was very familiar with this as well as uh, a psych course at my university which was talking about how come only the head gets transferred what about the limbs and the body wouldn't those change the way you are um which is a discussion for a different day but anyways so that's what this movie is about uh these guys have their limbs acting up and then uh what you find out later is someone's trying to kill these people so this movie is all right Mm -hmm. it's not it's not bad yeah Uh, it's got a few walls but it has a few like pretty wicked parts and uh i'm gonna get into a couple just a few spoilers here uh, I don't think it really meant this movie is like 28 years old. <laughs> no, but uh, anyway, so what you find out is that uh, the doctor is like in love with the convict guy. And she also transplanted his head on someone else's body, which is like hilarious because you see the guy later in a neck brace. <laughs> and uh, so this guy is in his head. He's a head on a new body and he's going around collecting his limbs again because he wants his like body back. So good. Which is pretty cool. Uh, there is one scene in this movie which is like fucking amazing. If that was the whole movie, I would have been like fucking five stars, baby. Which is there's this grisly scene where Jeff Fahey like comes to the operating room and you see the arm, the two legs, and the torso that have already been recollected. And they're like on this rack with like – and they're all pulsating with like blood and they're like all alive on this rack thing. And it's pretty wicked. Uh, I thought that part was really cool. So, and then you do some fighting. But anyways, uh, I thought this movie was pretty cool. Uh, it's got, like I said, there's a few parts where I was kind of like, eh, eh, just, you know, not bored. I was just like, all right, let's let's keep going. But uh, it does have a few pretty neat things. Brad Dourif is in it a little bit, um, more than some of his other movies. I'll say that much. He, he does have at least a a supporting role in this more so than like trauma by Dario Argento where he's in it for like a second. So I know this movie is not too bad. I know you've seen this. What did Mm -hmm. you think of body parts? Uh, About the same. Uh, I don't really remember anything specific other than uh, the effects in uh, the high spots of the movie are pretty good. 
But yeah, I mean, it's like kind of just a movie. I'm, I'm glad I actually own a copy of this, and I'm glad I do because it still has never come out on Blu-ray or anything like that. But yeah, yeah it's a, it's a nice little '90s horror movie that's like kind of not offensive. It's just fine, yeah. uh, right in the middle there. But it's like that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I forgot to mention. There's two other things that I thought were really funny. Uh, there's a quote in this movie where Jeff Leahy is like doing his memoir notes, and he's like, "Does the arm really have its a soul of its own?" And I thought that was really funny because of the idea that the arm's taking over his body. And then at the end of the movie, he kills the guy that like the serial killer. And then the arm's in his control now and he's talking to his wife and he's like, the arm is mine now. I want it by right. I am the dominant. And it's like, that's what he's talking about. So like, that's his like rationale that he can use his arm again. And I thought that was really funny. So anyways, do you want to hear about this other movie that I watched? Mm, Okay. Uh, I watched. A, I was gonna try to watch a bunch of double movies for this, uh, but it didn't work. I only got one in. I watched this 1987 movie called Double Target. Uh, I watched this because it was free on YouTube. Yep. It's from a guy that you might know named Bruno Matei. Matai or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of uh, his reputation. 80s looks like schlock. It, it, Italian. Uh, Italian. Schlockmeister, yeah. He, He's he, got Zombie 3, Rats, Robo War, Strike Commando, like yeah. horror and action stuff. Yeah, genre schlock, yeah. Yeah, so I watched this movie called Double Target, Jared, and it stars this guy named Miles O'Keefe, who is apparently like an 80s B, B star, like B action star. He was in a lot of movies with uh, Robert Patrick, it seems. So... Uh, well, maybe not a lot, but a couple. But he's in a, a bunch of these like really cheesy like action movies. So you're going to have to bear with me for a second while I try to explain this movie. Because it is a little confusing. Uh, so Miles O'Keefe is an... I, I have to actually read the letterbox here because... Okay, wait, I'll, try to, I'll try to tell it to you first. Yeah. So this guy is like a commando of some sort. And I must have missed the rationale for that. I don't know. Uh, but he's a commando and you see him like fighting Russians and he's like really good. He kind of looks like Jim Caviezel, but like sexier Jim Caviezel. And he's like uh, in tank tops and greasy all the time fighting dudes. He's one of those white guys who knows karate really good where he can like chop a guy in the neck and the yeah. guy just falls over. Um, so he's this guy and he wants to go into Vietnam because he had like – uh, a son in Vietnam with okay. a Vietnamese lady and he wants to get him back. Yep. Uh, so what happens is he then goes to military man Donald Pleasance in a role that I'm sure he regret- regretted until the day he died. Uh, and Donald Pleasance is like, well, we have... Oh, no, Don- Don- Donald Pleasance takes the checks. He doesn't yeah, care. Yeah, he, he takes the checks. Uh, yeah, I, I believe that. Um, yeah, especially in that period of time. He, does, he didn't give a fuck. He didn't give... Okay, so... He was there, and he's some military guy who has asthma. And then the movie becomes a kind of ripoff of uh, Escape from New York, but kind of worse. They're like, all right, you're under arrest. But if you go into Vietnam, we need you to take out some commandos for us. And also, you can try to save your son. So that's why it's called Double Target, because he's got two targets, like to take people out, but also save his son, kind of. And then... They're like, but if you don't make it back in three days, we, we blow up Vietnam or something like that. Uh, there's Russians, there's Vietnamese, 
This movie is not great, Jarrett. As you could imagine, there is very, very bad acting. Would you say is uh, Miles in this? Is he a, is he a vet of the Vietnam War? I don't know. I, I'm assuming he is since he had a kid. So I got to put that on my vet exploitation list. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read the actual letterbox thing here now because I, honestly, I watched this movie. I don't even really know what it was about. Miles O'Keefe stars as an ex-military specialist in Vietnam trying to recover his son after learning that his wife has died in a concentration camp. I remember this part actually because the Vietnam Vietnamese guy's like, no, he is born in Vietnam. He is ours now, and Miles. Okay, he's like, no way, man. Uh, so the government considers the child their property since the war is over. There are others watching who believe O'Keefe is in the country to spy on them and want him dead. Yeah. He takes a deal to gather info, uh, blah, 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 Russia. Okay. So uh, that's the movie. This movie is not very good. No. There is some very bad acting. Yep. There is fight scenes in the dark that you can't see. Yep. Because they are in the dark. Uh, the only thing, though, from keeping from keeping this from being like a really horrible fucking movie, is this movie actually has like a lot of explosions mm-hmm. and like decent explosions. Yeah. Uh, there's dudes getting blown up. There's like one scene where a guy gets bazookaed, and then in the next frame, there's like a burnt half skeleton torso on a stick and you're like oh shit that's pretty dope uh this movie has a full body burn which i know you're a big fan of oh that's my favorite uh, uh, it has a uh, one very beautiful sunset scene where i was just like holy fuck i was like this looks like a christopher nolan movie <laughs> uh but um that stuff isn't enough to make this movie like watchable yeah. i don't think unless I don't know if you had a group of dudes who was really into this shit and you're like, man, we really got to watch that, that, uh, what is this? Oh, you didn't didn't mention that, uh, Miles O'Keefe, uh, his character's name is Bob Ross. Oh, I didn't see. I didn't even know. I just watched this. Uh, Donald Donald Pleasance's character's name is Senator Blaster. (laughs) (laughs) He's pretty funny. There's an Italian actor named Luciano Pagazzi. Who's in lots of stuff or in this movie a bit? See, then my, there's Russians. There's lots of talk of Das Vodanya and things so, like that. So, so this movie it says like a bunch of mentions mentions of uh, wait a minute. Oh, Ernest Borgnine was to star in a key role but dropped out. <laughs> I wonder what he could have been. He probably oh yeah, the- they blow up a shark in this movie because uh, he evades some sharks at some point, and no. then I think they actually kill a snake in this movie, which. I don't really care about snakes, but at the same time, I got to stick to my uh, my uh, made up things. So uh, yep. that uh, double target principles. My principles, yeah. No, this movie's not very good, man. Yeah, sounds about right. But I, it's double target, and we're watching double suicide. So that's that's fair. So what what did you do with your life? Well, RJ, I uh, finished watching Icarus last week, that documentary mm-hmm. about Russian drug testing and mm-hmm. sheets and whatnot. Uh, this is, of course, I didn't realize the week of the uh, Russian election that uh, oh. uh, old Putin won again. Um, so congratulations. <laughs> he sure earned it. Uh, and, uh, yep, so that's that happened. Uh, Russia, mm-hmm. basically, I don't. you can't trust any athlete. It doesn't matter how many yep. times you say I've been trust. I've been tested a hundred times. But it doesn't matter. They're lying. Everyone involved. It's all. It's all a scam. Uh, yes. Everything's fixed. RJ, the NCAA. Huh? It's fixed. Everything's fixed. <laughs> the only thing. Yeah. The only thing that's real is WWE. 
Pro nice. wrestling is real. Nice. Uh, anyway, uh, I started watching, uh, speaking of movies on that top 250 IMDb list, I watched mm-hmm. the highest ranked movie I had not seen, and that was The Intouchables. Uh, which is this? Oh. Which is uh, distributed by Old Weinstein's. Um, nice. And uh, I guess this movie was like a big deal, and people really love yes, it. Yes, it was. And like, I've never seen it. I've never like. I don't remember this movie coming out. Um, it's got like a really shitty poster. It's just like these two mm-hmm. mugging dudes, a white guy and a black guy, smiling. And I'm like, why would anyone watch this movie? Why do people like it so much? And I'm like, well, I'll watch it someday. It's on Netflix. Hey, I've got a lunch hour. I'm gonna start watching this movie. Yep. Um, so I see that you've, you've seen this movie. Uh, it seems like you liked it a great deal uh, when you watched it, or at least when you rated it uh, at some point. But uh, so yeah. the broad strokes of this movie it starts out with uh, a black guy stealing a car, and he's got like this like old bearded white guy with him, and oh they're getting away with it, and then the police show up, and then he gets out and he starts saying that he's taking this guy with him to the hospital because he's having a seizure and he's got a wheelchair and it's like, uh-huh. what, what's going on? And then it flashes back to the beginning and it's like, Oh, here's like the, the shiftless black immigrant in France or something, uh, who, yeah. who can't get work. He's got a criminal record and he's just trying to get that, uh, signature on that piece of paper saying that he's interviewed for a job and so he can get benefits. Mm-hmm. And he goes to where he randomly picks this rich guy to go get that signature from. But the rich guy's like, ha-ha, I'm going to do a mm-hmm. test and see what happens if I really want to challenge him. And so <laughs> it's just like every like cliche in the book. So this movie, I watched about like, I don't know, a half hour. And uh-huh. I just was not into this at all. It felt yeah. like so. There's this Richard Pryor movie that came out like in the early '80s when Richard Pryor was like no, a, no, uh, not not with Gene Wilder, unfortunately. But this movie was like when Richard Pryor was like a superstar. And this movie called came yeah. out called The Toy. And what The Toy was about is like some sort of it's supposed to be a satire about like mm. race relations in America. And like Uh-oh. like Richard Pryor is like this. I can't remember if he's like a servant already or like just like a like a guy and like this mm-hmm. rich man, uh, his son wants to have like a, some, like a, like a person that he can make do whatever he wants. And he basically pays Richard Pryor to be his like toy. Nice. And so he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> He'll make all this money, but he has to be like subservient to the white man. And it's just like, so this movie's nice. got sort of like those vibes to it. It's probably not as, uh, dumb as that movie, the toy was, but this movie really, yep. the jokes were like obvious and, uh, really, mm-hmm. I just imagine a lot of like, the, that Q-tip set that we were talking about going to Best Picture movies, they're, like, probably super into this movie, and they think it's very funny. And uh, I don't know. This movie is not for me. I am not the audience. Uh, there's not enough, like, poor, horrible people doing bad things and, like, <laughs> dying and, like, being yeah. found in ditches. This movie seems to be, like, going for that uplifting sort of angle. And mm-hmm. uh, characters going, I'll never do that. And then immediately cuts to them doing that thing. Like, that's that. <laughs> this is that sort of movie. Yeah, where I'm just like, okay, we're all going to learn lessons, are we? And it's like based on a true story, and I'm just like, yeah, Fargo was too. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I I don't know, I I'm not part of this world anymore. Uh, that like thinks <laughs> that Shape of Water is awesome, and I don't think Intouchables is that good, or just not for me. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, what did I rate this movie? Four stars. So you remember how we've talked before about how uh, about humanity. Like, yeah, that too. About how when we first joined Letterbox, we 
Like you, you let those ratings fly pretty hot and loose. I think that might be this, but I don't know because I, I watched this in theaters in Creepsville. It what? went to our second run See, theater. I've never, like, I, I don't know what this movie is. So, uh, yeah, I watched uh, me and Andy. We went to this bad boy over at the theater, and uh, I remember we both liked it quite a bit. Uh, I remember they were supposed to make a, a English remake with Chris Tucker, um, <laughs> like years and years ago, but it never happened. Oh, that's too bad. It never happens, so I don't know. So here's a dumb thing, too. So I started watching this, and I really I picked up quickly. I'm like, why is this defaulting to an English dub? Like, dub for you? No, I, there, it's, a, it's a default, because you can change it, because Netflix has audio options. But I'm like, why is this in English? Like, it was so weird to me. I'm like, that's see. that's dumb. Anyway, oh, trash. That's weird. I'm, supr- I'm not surprised you didn't like it, because you are a bad person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I can't even remember this movie very much. I guess I liked it. But, well, it's like, it's in high company, man. This movie's like, apparently as good as like The Godfather and The Shining and like all these like. I don't know about that. (laughs) No, but no, because where it's ranked on IMDb, it is like in the top 50 or something like that. It's Mm. ridiculous. I I don't don't get it. When the Chris Tucker remake comes out, I'll watch that and I'll see if uh, it holds up. Um, so then RJ on Friday, uh-huh. I was online, I was surfing around on Facebook and one of those like, uh-huh. uh, groups I'm part of like a DVD, Blu-ray collector thing. Some guy threw up some, yeah. some digital codes and he had movies like shape of water, disaster artist, lady bird. And I was like, oh, I've seen those. I'll let someone else mm-hmm. get those and watch it. Then I saw they had justice league. <laughs> oh shit. I forgot you watched this movie. And, nice. uh, I was like, well, I have not nothing going on tonight. Chanel's kind of taking over the living nice. room. I'll just, ah, fuck it. I'm going to download Justice League. I'm going to watch it here on my laptop. So I did. I I navigated the, like, like on-demand system or whatever the hell it is, Flickster, to download Mm -hmm. codes or whatever. And it worked. I had no one to claim Justice League yet, so I watched it. And um, my one-and-a-half-star review on Letterboxd can be found. And my review Mm -hmm. is it lives up to the hype because this movie came out. And people fucking hated it. They shit all over this. And at the time, I was like, oh, you know, it's like there's a Batman versus Superman DC movie bias that exists. Because I saw that Batman versus Superman. And I thought that movie was like... Okay. Pretty good. I thought it's like it's okay. Like I don't I yeah. don't get the hate that that movie gets and then all these Marvel movies get a pass because it's just yeah. as incompetent. But there's like a certain charm almost to Batman versus Superman. Like yeah. you could tell that this is a movie that Zack Snyder really wanted to make. And it's like I don't mm-hmm. know, I, I don't really know if I want to watch it again because I feel like it might fall apart really quickly. Um, director's cut baby yeah well I've got it sitting here still I haven't watched it f- since theater but so I was like well Justice League probably I'm thinking it'll probably be at least like as good it seems like a lot of people who did not like Batman versus Superman they all thought <laughs> Justice League was an improvement so I'm like okay let's go in yeah. this didn't cost me anything I have no expectations holy <laughs> fuck this movie sucks like it's bad <laughs> It, Did you not remember me telling oh, you about this movie? I do. I do remember. But I was like, well, RJ might have gone in with higher expectations than I did. Or like lowered expectations. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I went in blank. Because I, I, like I was going to go back and listen to what you said many episodes ago. Yeah. But I was like, I'll just, just do it. And uh, yeah, no, this movie is so terrible. Uh, it deserves yep. all the dumping it gets. There's no conspiracy against this movie. <laughs> like not, nothing. Not that it, this one. Not not that it deserved anything because this movie's terrible. Like it looks mm-hmm. like garbage. Like the CGI is 
it like I hate saying it, but it's like it looks like a video game. Like there is that yep. opening scene of Batman in like Gotham. Like that one's Scott, bad. It looks like they shot. They literally shot it like in green screens, and they're just like, "Hey, let's just fill some buildings in the background." He's like catching a burglar, and then a parademon shows up. He takes it out, and then mm-hmm. this guy, this guy that you never actually see, kind of just walks out and goes, "What was that?" And he's like, "Invader." <laughs> Are there more? Like, it's just this guy. It's like, who the hell yeah. is this guy talking? But that's, and that's actually the second scene in the movie. Because the first mm-hmm. scene is handheld cell phone footage of a live Superman, Henry Cavill, mm-hmm. doing something, chatting with kids. And he turns and he's like, <laughs> asked, what do you think about humanity? And this is our taste of Henry mm-hmm. Cavill, CGI'd, mustache-less version of like a man who looks like he had a cleft palate and had surgery done. <laughs> and... It, yep. It's like what? Like that scene doesn't come back at all into anything else. We don't get the answer that he like mm-hmm. is asked, and it's like open ended. It's just like what was that scene other than to get some Superman footage in earlier? Um, and then yeah, we get that horrible yeah. Batman scene. We get the opening credits, Zack Snyder uh, with acoustic woman singing over it with the montage of death and like the state of things now in the this DCUE. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it's called, I uh, like that uh, montage. Yeah, uh, uh, it's like one of I think it's one of his weakest montages as a man. Yeah, I mean like, it's no Walkman or Watchmen opening or uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so yeah, and from that point on, I just like I kept sticking with it because I think I was like messaging you as I watched it, and I wanted you to have finished it at least because yeah, I, I was because if it ready did, to... if you didn't, one day you would have been like, "Fuck, I wish I finished that movie." No, um, so I watched uh, yeah that Paradise Paradise Island stuff is horrendous like it's so bad and i'm like yeah okay, i bet you wonder woman is actually a really fucking bad movie and uh, i never want to watch it now so good job justice league for killing that off for me uh, i never want to watch suicide squad that's for sure um what else aquaman it just seems like his gimmick is i take off my shirt <laughs> and, yeah but who doesn't like that and he flies i guess <laughs> he's like the legless of my justice man league. there's like these like yeah. lord of the rings back like flashbacks that like when you yeah. watch when you watch those flashbacks in like Lord of the Rings they're mm-hmm. so fucking awesome in Justice League they're so bad everything that, looks bad this is one of the most yeah. expensive movies ever made RJ this movie like apparently cost 300 million dollars because uh, they filmed it twice well and they also like had to, like I'm not sure if that rolls up all previous Justice League development money into it as well yeah. but it's ridiculous this movie looks crappy to me like it looks bad yeah um cyborg is like just like hilarious because he's always in a hoodie because it's like it's too sad it's like why don't they just make him look like robocop robocop look cool (laughs) Uh, Mm um flash is nothing special uh it seemed like people thought that ezra whatever miller ezra Mm -hmm. whatever he like they thought he was like a highlight of it i was just like yeah not terribly interested in anything going on there even with your Uh boy uh billy crudup he's just like he has two scenes (laughs) Well, I, I like those scenes. So, okay, wait, I'll let you finish, okay. and then I'll, I'll say some stuff. Uh, yeah, n- nothing impresses me about Gal Gadot. She doesn't have much to do in this movie. Ben Affleck, oh, I, I feel the haters. I, I felt embarrassed for Ben Affleck in this. He he's is like, checked out. He, he, his hair's all fluffy, and he just looks like a dope. Like, he's like such mm-hmm. a shitty Batman in this movie. The characterization of him is so wrong. The idea that like Batman would be pro resurrection, and it'd be his <laughs> idea to bring Superman back. It's like, 
Batman mm-hmm. would never do this. Not my Batman. Uh, Batman smiling. And it's like in the Batman suit, that stupid chunky Batman suit that like in Batman versus Superman, I was like, okay, whatever. He's like dark Knight Batman. But now yep. I'm like, I watching it. I'm like, I hate it. I hate the look of it. <laughs> they, uh-huh. Jeremy Irons. He like has nothing to do. And then there's yeah. like bits where they have like, I think it's like Jeremy Irons standing at like the dock of the ship as it flies off. And they're like, Oh, CGI Alfred. And then there's like other bits where it's like, yeah, the CGI underwater fight with Aquaman and Stefan Wolf, who is tr- <laughs> like really a bad villain. Um, he, he doesn't have much to do no, either. No. And then there's like, I don't know, whatever the fuck. I don't care Josh Whedon or Zack Snyder, whoever was involved with making this movie. They all, they're all complicit. This movie sucks. Uh, yeah. It's a piece of crap. Uh, I mean, I was looking back. It's like, so this movie, I definitely put against like X-Men Apocalypse as just being like yeah. garbage. Um, but I also note that I gave the same rating to Avengers, which like I could, <laughs> I would definitely say is better than both of those movies, but was like yeah. also a really just like unpleasant viewing experience. Cause I just like was not into anything in that movie and it's like a total failure. Uh, yeah, I probably would be like in hindsight, maybe adjust that saying, well, it's not as bad as those two, but they're, they're all shit. This is why I don't want, yeah. this is why I haven't seen Black Panther. I don't give a. I don't care. I don't care about these movies. They're That's all, they, why. They, they, they just keep coming out. There's no stopping them. There's a fucking whatever Infinity War trailer, and like, who cares? Who gives a shit mm-hmm. about these these goddamn movies? I hear you, bro. Fuck. <laughs> so I think so. Uh, I, <laughs> people can go back to what I said about Justice League, but so I think more has kind of come out since then. Um, it does appear that there was a lot of pressure from the producers to just put the movie out regardless of whether it was good or not because they're like fuck it just put it out there we already know it's a wash let's try to make hat like some of our money back we'll just cut fucking move forward so i think there was a lot of things like that where partially why this movie is so bad is they're like all right joss whedon just make this thing fucking watchable no one gives a shit anymore whether as it's watchable good or as not age of ultron is <laughs> as, as watchable as it can be oh, this just movie fucking do this movie it. looks bad like the actual like it does it, it looks bad it looks like a yeah. tv show like it feels like a yeah. like abc show like it feels so below mm-hmm. anything that you'd watch like it's embar- it's so bad no wonder it people looks, dump on it it looks pretty bad uh i do think there were a couple scenes that i liked uh that i think were the original snyder scenes release that snyder cut uh, you know sign the petition online yeah. if you're interested uh i liked the billy crudup scenes I liked, uh, a f- I think, one of the Superman scenes. I can't remember which one. The the uh, thing where he turns to look yeah, at. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. I, I remember that one. I actually really liked that part where uh, Flash runs and his eyes just kind of move over. I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I was like, that's the, the, the whole cool. problem with that scene though is like you have shirtless Henry Cavill being like CGI animated for flying yeah. fight scenes. And it's just like, it's one thing to have like a fully suited person doing stuff and now you have like oh you have to render a man shirtless and do and do it and it looks like rubber yeah the physics suck it everything about this movie like it's it's not and it's not confusing uh there's definitely like said it was confusing you know there's people who said like i don't know what the the story's about i'm like it's pretty simple like they lay it out 
getting they have to stop guy from getting mother boxes and then That's they, it. and then he gets the mother boxes and then he starts this machine that like sends tendrils out and there's a russian family you're supposed to care about because somebody sent notes in saying we have to make people care and relatable so we're gonna have a family in danger so families will be watching and go yes but it's like it only makes sense that the characters have dialogue <laughs> otherwise they're just like people driving away in a pickup truck and during a superhero fight yeah. you're like who cares this this is trash and i i like i didn't trash. and i couldn't really like i forgot until we get to like the last like half hour where it's the big <laughs> battle scene then i'm like oh, oh it's yeah. all that footage from the trailer that i couldn't believe how bad it was and i'm like oh it's all in the back half of the movie and the it's red batman r- driving around with his machine gun just killing parody left and right uh yeah. aquaman again flying around wonder woman does stuff <laughs> like i don't even remember what she does like what what, what, what she, has she a, does stuff she does some stuff Cyborg does some stuff. Flash Mm -hmm. is like, I hate when he runs. And that's like a pretty important aspect of like getting the Flash right. You don't like his floppy arms? All the lightning stuff. What about his flop? I feel like his arms are so wavy. They're like spaghetti when he runs. Awful. Terrible movie. I'm glad you watched it. Uh, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, Endorsed. Yeah. Cosign. Co-sign, yeah. Uh, I also watch another uh, movie that, like, I guess is a big studio movie, the types of movies I don't watch, and that was Zootopia. Mm. uh, Why did you watch Zootopia? So, for some reason, Chanel bought this on Blu-ray, like, two years ago, and she watched it, but she turned it off and said, ugh, I don't really like this movie. And I was like, really? I'm like, okay, grumpy pants. And cause like usually these types of movies are like pretty well slam dunks for experiences. Yep. And I was like, what mm-hmm. she doesn't like, what does she like this movie? It seems like everyone else does. And I've seen other people really like, like this movie too. I just yep. delayed watching it forever. And I just was like, Oh, I need something that's like less than two hours to watch. I'm like between, uh, uh, shifts at work. And I'm like, Oh, I'll just watch Zootopia. That's good. I'll finally get that out of the way. Okay. And yeah, I don't you know. Loved it. No, I I kind of liked it by the end, but the more I thought about it, like in the preceding hours, I was like, yeah. No, I don't like this movie. <laughs> like so to re so recapping Zootopia for people who like might have seen mm-hmm. it and don't remember anything about it. Uh it's a movie where it's a cartoon. It's a Disney movie. Yeah. It's not a knockoff like a uh, CGI kids movie. Uh, oh, I, some, can some I people, interrupt some you people for might, a second? Oh, I'll just say it's like some people I've talked to, they're like, that was a Disney movie? I thought it was like a DreamWorks thing or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah it pretty much feels that way. But. Yeah, no, I was going to say it does feel like a uh, DreamWorks film. But when you said it's not a knockoff, I don't know if you know, but this movie was sued for uh, infringement of like – some guy said that they stole this idea from him. That yeah, okay. he, he had did it already. So I just when you said it was in a knockoff of like it's a knockoff fun. of like tons of stuff, like all the yeah. animal movies. Like there's a there's a comic called Granville, uh, Sam and Max. Uh, the video game is very, oh, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, similar yeah. to this. It, it just like has lots of things like Roger Rabbit kind of vibes to it at times. Yep. So anyway, broad strokes of this, uh, it's like some sort of like future world you could say where like either or or it's like contemporary where like humans never showed up and animals just remain animals but then they became intelligent and they got over the fact that they were animals predators and prey now are friends and they're building a society and they have a future city that they've built um and it's like broken up into a city and then there's like a desert town a tundra like snow land and jungle like tropical rainforest town that sort of thing Mm -hmm. um 
The movie follows the main character who is a lady bunny, a female bunny who wants to be a cop. But in this world, that's even a laughable idea because you have to be like a large animal. To Alpha. Be an, some sort of large, like an elephant or a hippo or a wolf or a tiger or a water buffalo. You have to be like big. You have to be, to be a cop. And, she, and she's a little bunny. And so she goes through training, just like uh, Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. Um, <laughs> Isn't that with, what this is based with, on? Without the uh, amazing cinematography that is in uh, that movie. Um, yeah. So she finally, she succeeds. She gets like kind of the, um, oh, God, I keep thinking of the word of it. It's like uh, because she's a bunny, she gets a job. Not because she deserves it necessarily. Affirmative but action? Affir- that's that's it. Affirmative action. She gets affirmative action. Because yeah. this movie, RJ, apparently is about race. <laughs> because Disney animated mm-hmm. movies are like, you know what? It's time we tackle the big ideas in only the way Disney can. <laughs> like really haphazardly and not understanding how, and not how metaphors work. And like really or bad metaphors. Kind of uh, like how that, uh, what the fuck was their like brain movie about all the things in your brain? How that... That handles depression or some shit. Is that oh Inside Out? Inside Out, yeah, that movie that like got a lot of praise and I was like, mm 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 mm, that movie's not that good. Oh man, nobody talks about it anymore. Do they? I, I do. I see people talk about it all the time. You know the Those one thing. I, the one thing I will say about that is I saw the art of Inside Out, like the actual art book. It looks yeah. so good, and I'm like, I get, I get. No, seriously, like it's one of those things where like you look at the like art books, the behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff for these Pixar movies, and you go. Why don't they just make it look like this? Like drawings. Why does everything have to look like CGI? Because it, it, yeah. it all looks the same. Like all these movies, it doesn't matter how much you render fur so beautifully and like reality. Yeah. And like you're, you're like looking at plants, you're like, holy crap. I cannot believe technology leaps this much every couple of years. Like every time mm-hmm. I watch one of these movies, because it's like long cycles in between, I'm always like, holy crap, these things look so amazing. It's too bad that they're like blown by bad mm-hmm. like cinematography, essentially, where they don't shoot stuff very well. Everything is in medium they never like do close-ups they don't think do things mm-hmm. in forced perspective really like the storytelling in these are like actually kind of bad and it's like i know they want to show off all the backgrounds and character fur and stuff like that but it's like come on <laughs> like make a nice looking movie for once like it's frustrating um so yeah anyway bunny move bunny moves into town she's a cop but she's like only gonna be allowed to be a meter maid but then there's this like obvious mystery of like hey all these mammal predators are disappearing what's happening to them all and uh mm-hmm. do they have i'm trying to remember are there reptiles in zootopia i think so i don't know. remember like i don't know if there's like snakes or crocodiles or anything like that they're like not in the desert land there's no insects there's no like I I think it's mm. all mammals actually because there's no birds yeah it's Fucking all mammals racist. that's weird so it's all mammals um so that's odd now that are I'm you thinking, sure I'm pretty damn sure that everything is a mammal in the movie mm. well you would know over me because I'm just like I'm trying to think of a visual I don't of a yeah character. I don't even remember no, this movie they, they, so they they are all mammals okay okay, okay I'm, gotcha. I'm, I'm, I'm almost for certain um okay. So she moves in, and then of course, like she meets a fox, and per- mm-hmm. she's been warned by her hillbilly parents, like farmer parents. They're like, "Hey, if you never try, you'll never fail. That's the way to be happy." <laughs> yep. So uh, she meets a fox, and she's been warned foxes you can't trust them. And of course, this the first fox she meets, voiced by Jason Bateman, uh-huh. lots of tude, uh, and yep. uh, yeah, he's a con artist. And of course, he 
out, he's outsmarts her because she's she's very naive. But then mm-hmm. she she gets into this whole investigation and kind of tricks gets the fox to help her because he admits to never paying taxes. <laughs> uh, and then there's like a whole bunch of like connect the dots of uh, investigation. And there's like right. it's just oh. It turns into like, okay, so she finds these animals that have all gone missing because the mayor's been hiding them in a secret laboratory because all these predatorial mammals, they've mm-hmm. all gone savage, which means that they've reverted back to like their natural state. What um, do you think that's a metaphor for? Yeah, I don't know, RJ, because I'm like, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. And so there's this like comment made by the bunny at the press conference about how it's like, well, it's just mm-hmm. like it's biological. Something biological is happening to these these predators that's making them back this way. And then the fox is like, whoa, 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 what do you mean? Reverting and <laughs> savage. And it's like, okay, yeah. are you like, is this movie is making this presentation that like polar bears wouldn't eat another animal? If they were, like, it's like, what do they? I they, think you're thinking too much into they, they it, looking too much into it. They don't address what, like, so what do these things? Yeah, eat? like these are like these are the things that like actually bug me. Like watching the movie, I think the movie's yeah. just like bland and forgettable. Like there's just things that I'm like, so what do these animals eat? <laughs> they have to eat protein, right? Are they all eating tofu? Like are they like how did like these like carnivores eating? like mm-hmm. food like they would be like they have sharp teeth they need to eat like these are just like basic biological mm-hmm. things but in this movie they, they're just like hey they eat ice cream isn't that fun <laughs> it's like you know what oh. i always think of mm. when i think of that is did you ever watch uh futurama yeah sure yeah there's that episode where they eat the poplars which are just little babies yes. and uh the hippies are like they're like animals eat other animals all the time and the hippies like that's not true we taught the lion how to eat tofu <laughs> and it's got like really like it's really thin and like emaciated it's like <coughs> yeah oh dude so i literally just sent my sister an article like what 10 about an hour ago uh yeah because she's going to like southeast asia and she was talking oh, about like, yeah i'm gonna ride on an elephant and go see this like monkey thing mm-hmm. and i went uh dude like that stuff is so bad like don't like that's oh i'm like you'll feel bad afterwards there's this like there's the one story and it's from like indonesia about the sun bear at this like buddhist monastery yeah. where they're like oh we're going to make these bears buddhists and we're going to starve them and they'll they'll know what suffering is and they'll find inner peace and then there's videos of fucking bears begging for food and it's like fucking humans it's like mm-hmm. it's like trying to make your fucking cat vegan or something like that it's like yeah you you're not supposed to do that humans are so incapable I, of such stupidity and anyway so zootopia yeah. is mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know it's clunky as fuck when it gets into its message that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's such a procedural movie that doesn't have anything special about it going on. Uh, yeah, I, at first I was like, it's okay. It's like a good version of it. It looks good technically. Um, but like, I just thought back to it and I'm like, no, I don't like this. I would not tell anyone to watch this movie. I'd say, don't bother. There's got to be better mm-hmm. ones. I, so yeah, not a recommend. That's uh, funny that you say uh because you're like i think we were talking you're like you like this movie i was like i think so yeah i remember liking it but when i was trying to think back i was like i don't remember anything about that movie (laughs) not really i remember the sloth but uh that's it oh yeah the sloth stuff that's That's, like that's it that is so disney that whole oh yeah it's like i kind of get where people would find that funny but it is like so drawn out in a way where you're like i know oh man I know, Jer. Oh, man. 
I'm uh see that's why I said I was like I'm surprised that you watched it because it's not really a Jarrett pick. No, it's not. But sometimes I like to like change it up, get a change, you know, get something else in my diet. So mm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not just eating like next time you want to watch animation, food. you you give me a call and I'll uh, I'll point you in the right direction. I don't even know what I would watch next. I bought maybe that Inside Out. I've heard that's I've- good. No, it's not that good. I don't know why people fucking praise that thing so much. Like, I didn't like it. I know. I, I think I remember dying. It's not just because I have problems with the science. I know that's not how a brain works. Yeah. I just thought it was hollow. Hollow. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't know. I'll talk about cryptic plasm. <laughs> okay. So, that sounds cool, actually. So this is a rando movie. Uh, a guy fallen letterboxed uh, watched this and gave it like four stars. And I was like, what the oh. hell is this thing? It is a low-budget 2013 uh, independent movie just shot like, you know, in your backyard type of thing. Uh, yeah. It's about a guy who is like a aspiring cryptozoologist who makes like yeah. documentaries about his cryptological explorations of his own backyard. Um, he's like the luckiest cryptozoologist I've ever seen in my life. Cause I I'd assume this movie is set in like our reality. And this guy sets out in his first three like documentaries, uh, documentaries, mm-hmm. he finds crypto things like immediately. It's like, wow, like all these other people in the world have failed so horribly. Like they've never found anything. And this guy just goes, oh yeah, there's a, uh, some sort of like tentacled slime monster. I just found it. And there's like, oh, that's really great footage. You have to go out and record this exorcism. It's just like, you don't even barely, you barely even see this thing. It's so quick. So that's like the first one he does. He gets like some deal with some, this guy who makes DVDs and uh, we get an exchange about their deal. It's like, all right, you want to hire your crew? He's like, well, I got a guy I work with. He's pretty good. He's like, yeah, that sounds great. You can ask me for any kind of equipment you guys need. And it's like, oh, here's a camcorder. <laughs> that's like, oh, yeah, that's all the equipment you need is one camcorder, not sound equipment or anything like that. So it's like funny that they're like laying out all these things that like you mm-hmm. you shouldn't just, you should just not say. You should just not say these things out loud. <laughs> uh, they go out to the woods and they immediately find a slime monster and then they escape and they get the footage and that's it. And uh, they're like, wow, that's like first 20 minutes. The next like 15 minutes, it's going to this like town that's like kind of fallen off of the, the maps and the roads have all become overrun because like at some point everyone in this town disappeared and they go and find the town because I know where it is on a map. And they just go. They go. They go find this town. And sure enough, there's this like suburb that they find. The grass is all watered, and there's like still cars parked. Because it's like you think that like if all these people mysteriously disappeared and the government wanted to cover it up, you think that someone at some point would have just taken these cars away. But no, there's just cars parked on the sides of the street. I, I kept an eye out. There didn't seem to be any like people walking around. So at least they got that much all right. But mm-hmm. the idea is that like one day all these people in the town just disappeared. And now they're wandering around trying to find out what happened. There's this bit that's like probably one of those things I will never forget, which is why uh, this movie will always kind of be in my mind. It's like, so it's like found footage territory where they're following him around. They're like, oh, I think I saw something in that house. So they go inside of this house and they're looking around. And there's like all these like these this like shots of like the living room. And there's like a room and it's got all these like children's toys and stuff like that all around. And the guy who's the, the guy playing the cameraman, who's the director, he's like, whoa, it's like, it's so creepy, you know, like all these like toys, all these children's toys. And like, there's now there's no one around. It really makes it, you know, like even kind of more creepy. Right. It's like, holy shit. He's like, he's saying it out loud. <laughs> like, cause usually you're like, you let it speak for itself. 
But oh mm-hmm. no, we gotta have a guy going. Yeah, you know, it's actually it's more creepy this way. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll always like maybe be like, we're the real monsters, right? Oh, it's like almost exactly like that. But I'm like, man, yeah. this is like amazing. I've I've never uh, <laughs> seen this in a movie before where it's like, like so that. perfectly encapsulated. So anyway, uh, there's some sort of like phantom lightning attack that happens that almost kills them, but then they escape and they have footage of nothing. And there's like kind of an ooze dripping around. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, oh, it's more great footage. And now it's like, hey, now go cover an exorcism. And then they go cover an exorcism. And, of course, it's a real exorcism because these guys are just so lucky. Every time they go to something, they find real evidence of it. And I'm like, so if this was, like, a real thing where, like, these supernatural occurrences were happening in our real world, wouldn't they just be, like, widespread? What would be the interest in guys selling DVDs of, like, horrifying things happening in the world if they're like happening to all of us at the same time it's just like one of those yeah. things that like i always have a problem with it's like kind of like uh when i was talking we've i've talked about this before about like kind of when you introduce supernatural things into the real world it doesn't quite make sense mm-hmm. um which is like why like a movie like ghostbusters actually does it fairly well in some ways because, okay. Ghostbusters, the, the remake, the, 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 new the, one. the original concept of Ghostbusters actually kind of makes sense. Like they actually have a built-in explanation that there's like, oh, there's yeah. something happening causing ghosts to actually happen. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they, they it's like they're almost like something from like a parallel universe rather than like, a, like there's like a reason why they're appearing all of a sudden rather than oh no, these guys are just the first people who've ever found ghosts, even though they've and mm-hmm. so every story has ever been real. You could always say, well, we just didn't have the technology to understand it. So in this movie, it's just like oh, they're making a documentary about it, and oh, they find everything everywhere. So mm-hmm. then there's this aspect where like the production guy who's sending them out, he uh, he's like, oh, we're gonna set up a thing where they're gonna die, and we're gonna record it, and we're gonna make all this money. <laughs> And then, like, so at this point, I'm like, what is this movie? Why did why did this guy give this movie four stars? Why does anyone even give a shit about this thing? Mm-hmm. And then the final half hour kicks in. And holy shit, it is just like the awesomest lo-fi gore show ever. It's hmm. so rad. Uh, like, it's all practical effects shitty makeup but just like they just like set up all these like ridiculous levels of like horror show music video gore and like mm-hmm. people getting fucked up people crawling out of like corpses and like men nice. being fused into walls and like people dissolving and it's all like just non-stop and it's like it keeps going mm-hmm. and going and going and I'm like oh yeah this is more my speed uh, so it's like for that last half hour alone it is a recommend <laughs> and the fact that this movie is like so unknown and like no one gives a crap about it it's just this like little movie that could uh, and I'm like no I really appreciate the effort that these guys put in because I've seen a lot of like attempts to make these things and um Mm-hmm. They're, they're generally like the first four, 50 minutes of this movie, which are like bad. Like there's like, they're trying, but they're just like not good enough to pull it all together. They're like friends are like doughy looking dudes wearing like ill fitting clothes. And they're supposed to be like, they're not actors. They're just the guys that they know. But then they mm-hmm. pull the whole ending together. where like, this is where all their effort went. And they like try to make it as like, they love evil dead and they wanted to make it like as good as they could. And they put so much effort and time into it. So I'm like, yeah, thumbs up fellas. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you sold me on this thing. Um, I don't know. Even this last, this supposed last great it's, half hour. It's, ra- it's like, uh, well, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Bride of the Reanimator, how it's got sure. like the, the awesome Grad and Guignol, but it's like Screaming Mad yeah. George, so it looks utterly amazing. This is like four degrees below that, but with all the same ambition and like 
like over the top stuff. Mm-hmm. So for that, it's like for this genre, it's pretty good. For this like scope, like this movie that probably costs like like a thousand dollars to make. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It, it's it's an early. True. It's an early. I'll uh, see. Ghoul school uh, movie. I haven't watched a horror movie for a while. Um, if anyone else recommends it then i'll watch it i i don't base things on your recommendation <laughs> no one should okay that's it for my movies uh nice. you got any news rj weinstein company filed for bankruptcy oh good that's it cool oh, baby uh we got our june announcements from criterion uh nice. manila in the claws of light from 1975 Ooh. uh lino Baraka. This is a movie, uh, the, the description here, mixing visceral documentary-like realism with the narrative focus of Hollywood noir and melodrama, Manila in the Claws of Light is a howl of anguish from one of the most celebrated figures in Philippine cinema. I don't know anything about that, but it's like, okay, could be I okay. I I'm dead. Uh-huh. Uh, Bowling for Columbine, uh, the Michael Moore documentaries come into the Criterion Collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when this came out, I was quite the fan of Michael Moore and this documentary. I, actually, I think I saw this three times in theater. Um, nerd. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. I don't know how it'll hold up necessarily. Uh, I guess, you know, gun violence and uh, shootings in schools hasn't gone away after, you know, another... Uh, decade and a bit Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know uh do you like that bowling for columbine i did quite a bit yeah i uh i own two copies on dvd the original release and then the special edition whoa so uh i haven't i probably haven't watched that in seven to ten years there you go uh elser from victor ariste from 1983 uh this movie 10 years after making his mark on Spanish cinema with The Spirit of the Beehive, Victor Arise returned to filmmaking with his adaptation of a novella by Adelaida Garcia Morales, which deepens the director's fascination with childhood, fantasy, and the legacy of his country's civil war. So, mm-hmm. Spanish Civil War, RJ. I won't be on this earth anymore by the time we get there. That's by number 927. And also... Yeesh. Female Trouble from director John Waters from 1974. Uh, I don't know what that is. That's the one I sent you a uh, picture of uh, with, oh. with with your girl, Divine. No, thanks. Uh, glamour has never been more grotesque than in Female Trouble, an endlessly quotable fan favorite that injects the Hollywood melodrama with anarchic decadence. Uh, I'm stoked. Mm. I'm very excited. I, uh, I, I love that John Waters, and I am so excited for when Pink Flamingos comes to the Criterion Collection at some point, I'm imagining in the next year or so, because that means RJ will have to watch Pink Flamingos, and uh, anyone, who's watch, anyone who's watched that movie will also be very excited that RJ will have to watch Pink Flamingos. There's no chance I'll be alive by the time we have to cover that fucking thing for the show. It's like, There's no, no chance. 10 years? 10 Do you know years? how I live? <laughs> Do you know how I live? You might be bedridden, but I mean, you can still watch movies. Uh, we'll see. By that point, my vocal box might be shot. Yeah. And we are getting another re-release of another really good movie, uh, which is like a good streak for me. Uh, we're getting The Virgin Spring, directed by Igmar Bergman, coming out on Blu-ray, which is good. Uh, that movie is, mm-hmm. I like that movie actually quite a lot. That's like, I think, a top shelf Igmar Bergman. It's the yep. kind of source material for uh, Last House on the Left. Ew. Uh, yeah. It's Gross. a it's a medieval 
rape revenge movie. Um, uh, no, it, but it's like really well made, and uh, we'll yeah, see. You know, it's it's good. Uh, it's we'll a very, see. It's a very cool movie. Uh, anyway, that's it for my news. You ready to do this? You ready to fucking kill ourselves? <laughs> Take hands, put the fucking car in fifth gear, and drive off that cliff. All right. After the break, we're driving off that ledge. Yippee! Elmo and Louise. That's what you should have watched this week. Fog I see. Visions of the things to be. The pains that are withheld for me. I realize and I can see. That suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. And I can take or leave it if I please The game of life is hard to play I'm gonna lose it anyway The losing card I'll someday lay So this is all I have to say
we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Double Suicide from 1969, directed by Masahiro Shinoda. And the uh, synopsis from Letterboxd, successful and married with children, paper mill owner uh, Jihai knows better than to contradict the strict social and moral codes of 18th century Japan. (laughs) But when he meets the lovely courtesan Karua, whatever the fuck, he becomes a man obsessed. Kohura returns his love even for going other customers while Jihai schemes to somehow buy her freedom. His efforts sealed ruinous consequences for his business and his family life. And Kohura is meanwhile purchased by another client. So I had never seen this movie before. Right. And uh, when I logged this movie onto the old letterbox, I noticed that, like, no one I follow has seen this movie, really. Except for, like, one person that, like, only really watches, like, experimental weirdo movies. Like, no one's watched this movie. It's, like, kind of obscure. And even, like, the number of views it has. uh, I think it's on a list of, like, high-rated movies with low views. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, huh, I guess it's never really gotten that criterion rub where uh, you see a lot more people watching it. But there's been a few of those that we've come across. Um, I've never really heard anyone talk much about the director either. Uh, or this What's movie, his name? Uh, Mashihiro Shinoda. Okay. And uh, like, I, I think there's like a few other films. Like there's like a collection, like those Eclipse collections where they're like the cheap, uh, the, right. the, the cheap packages uh, yeah. of his stuff. Um, but yeah, so like I like I said last week, I kind of went into this blind, not really knowing the first thing about it. Uh, I think before I started, I did read the synopsis just so I kind of knew, okay, what's what's this all about? <laughs> uh, and so I'm like, okay. So I started the movie, and it's like, whoa, whoa puppets. <laughs> and I'm like, Being John Malkovich? Whoa, phone calls, meta narratives. And then I was like, whoa, hey now. This, this could be really cool. And then I'm like, okay, so I'm like, oh, Masahiro Shinoda. Oh, he belongs to the Japanese New Wave, which Ooh, I guess shit. is something like the French New Wave, but Japanese. Uh, and then I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Like there was like the, the 60s wave of like uh, like these like kind of uh, artier black and white Japanese movies that are like – there's like the whole we've we've watched a few of those at this point. We watched oh god, those Saijin Suzuki movies that were like kind of like crazy, like those gang, those, yeah. those wacky yakuza those movies, movies that like were that. okay. Yeah, they're just kind of okay. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a movie that I just like, I knew mm-hmm. nothing about, uh, but it starts off like with this like all these elements of like oh we're breaking down those fourth walls. We're like really gonna uh, play up the artifice of uh, theater and drama and make it so the uh-huh. audience is aware they're watching a movie and there's like there's like elements of the kabuki theater which like i'm not going to pretend to be an expert on at all because i'm not i know (laughs) what it is because i've watched movies about like kabuki theater troops in uh floating weeds with ozu and i've seen it in anime movies and uh like kurosawa movies like i've seen references to it but i don't really know i know it's like a very like kind of uh it's not Western style theater. It's like sure. the, the closest thing would be like kind of like pantomime where it's like very like white, like extreme makeup and kind of like addressing the audience playing to the cheap seats, like which is not even like an yeah. accurate way of talking about it. Cause again, I'm not an expert on Kabuki. It's but very it's expressive, very expressive. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're kind of aware of it. And so this movie decided to approach this material by making you aware that this is a, based on uh, like it, what an 18th century uh, story, I guess. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it doesn't let you really forget 
all that often that you're watching a movie because mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I thought was like kind of neat at the beginning was they have when they need to do something involving like moving of characters or objects, they have actors wearing black. And mm-hmm. the idea is that against a black backdrop, you can have these black figures that kind of look like ninjas or like kind of figures of death kind of mm-hmm. shifting in, moving characters around. And you're like, oh, that, that works in a theatrical sense. In a movie, you could do things in a different way. You could put it on string. You could just deliver that information in a different way. But they decided, no, we're going to keep that aspect of the theater in this movie and just see what the effect of that is, where you're aware that yeah. you're watching a construction of a story. And so these things kind of going into it. Um, I've had like a weird, like experience watching these Japanese movies from like the fifties and sixties. And it's like, I don't know. I have to be in the right mood to maybe watch this stuff because I I found with double suicide. Like I like this movie looks awesome. Like the cinematography looks great. Um, like the photography is great. Um, I can't get a real gauge on the acting or performances because it's Japanese. It's very theatrical. Um, so I don't know if the acting is good or not. It's just kind of there and it seems mm-hmm. serviceable, but at the same time, I'm also like, I was never really into the story at any point. Um, right. I, I got the story and figured it out and realized like, it's kind of got this like kind of jarring kind of pacing to how the elements of the story unfurl. Cause it opens up kind of at, like telling you that you're watching a movie or a, produ- mm-hmm. a movie production about this. And then it cuts to the end of the movie and then it kind of works its way backwards, but it's like not even quite backwards. It kind of jumps back and forth telling you different elements as it goes along. And I don't know, sometimes you just want to watch a straightforward telling of the story. So it kind of pulls you along near like dramatically. And so obviously <laughs> uh, Shinoda here, uh, Decided, no, you, that's too easy. That's that's been done before. Let's break it down because we're like because we're making a movie that's like about breaking down the artifice of like the theater and making you aware that you're watching a theatrical experience. We're all going to break down the rules of cinema, which is mm-hmm. a very new wave of the '60s. I mean, this would be like very a, a Godardian kind of uh, trick of like kind of like making you aware that you're watching a movie and like letting the audience kind of like be uh, mentally engaged with what you're doing on a, in cinematic terms, but. I don't know. Like at the same time, I just like wasn't super into what was happening, and I was kind of like, eh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't mm-hmm. know about this. I don't know about this double suicide. Uh, but there's like other things I do like about it. Uh, and like I can, I'll get into. But uh, I'll I'll throw it to you, RJ, because um, <laughs> I've got some other notes that uh, yeah. I'll, I'll unfurl. Because I've got I've got issues with plays i think in the criterion collection and like theatrical productions things like henry the fifth and mm-hmm. the, the the magic flute uh that like kind of like i don't know unless it's dogville i'm not like a fan of these types of uh films but rj yeah. what do you what do you think of uh double suicide all right man i'm gonna lay it on you right here yep this movie is weird mm-hmm. i think this is a very weird movie uh, my first uh, note was um, because, as you mentioned, we get this puppet thing and we get this phone call about someone describing what they want their thing to a, a, be. A one-sided phone call, yeah. And you're kind of along for the ride. And for a while, I was like, am I missing something? So I I was really thrown off. And I so I watched this uh, film on Canopy, yep, which is did our – 
which is our uh, Canadian version of Filmstruck, about as close as we're going to get. So I was watching this, and the first thing I noticed was there was some squished-ass subtitles. I don't know if you had that too. Oh, so I I had to, uh, with when I watched it, there was no subtitles and the only closed option caption. was closed caption, which yes. was very like the, I think the cat, like the actual translation was good. I don't think there was yeah. an issue with that, but like the actual like spacing of words was like yeah. very sloppy. It would, it would be like, and then I, but that would be one word then instead and. of three separate words. Yeah. Like there was no spaces in between no. words. So like I saw that at the start and I was like, Oh weird. I was like, that must just be a canopy thing. I was like, maybe the, Whoever translated this mm. didn't do a good job, or, or and they, then, just, they just didn't have the subtitles uh, available or something like that. Because yeah, so this DVD is old ass. Like I was looking yeah, it up, it's, it's never been released again. Like it's yeah. only came out once, and the DVD is like there's nothing on it. Like it is just movie and subtitles, and that's it. And or oh, there's an essay that I skimmed because yeah. I was like, what can I talk about? <laughs> Yeah, you you can tell it's a little grainy, right? Which is like we've talked about before. That's not a, a mark against a movie. It's just no. like, oh, that sucks that there's not a great print of it. But uh, so, yeah, it started out and I was like, oh, the subtitles are weird. And then there was like one side of conversation. But at the same time, there was like Japanese uh, like writing on the screen. I was like, so is someone talking? And then the replies are written on the screen. I thought it was the credits. Okay, see, like, see, that's a totally normal thing. It's like, why wouldn't you think it was the credits? But because I was thrown off by the close captioning and only one person talking, I was like, I'm so confused. Well, I'm pretty, yeah, you probably, I was like, you probably, what is going yeah. on? So you probably had the experience of like, you're watching it and you're waiting for subtitles to come on and realize you had to turn them on. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. Yes. So it was that. So like the first five minutes of this, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and then it cuts to like this guy, like walking really fast on a bridge. And I was like, oh, yeah, all right. And I was like, now we're getting into it. Samurais. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what the fuck was going on before, but at least it's a fucking real movie now. So I was really thrown off by that. But then, so this movie, like I said, is weird. Uh, there are, I'll, I'll start with the few things that I do like. I think there is some really nice shots. Uh, I think there's one cool thing where the guy throws the paper in the air and it's like papers are just kind of slowly falling down just like Shutter Island by Martin Scorsese. Uh, you know, when papers are falling down, there's a couple scenes at the end too, where they're like walking into sunsets and then like the, uh, the gallows and stuff like that. I was like, man, those look great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's a couple shots that look really good, especially in the black and white, like against the, uh, not like brownstones, but like, you know, the old like brick Japanese housing or whatever it is. Uh, there, there's a few things like that that are really cool. And there's some editing things that I really like where b- between scenes it, it shows it's like really fast uh, cuts between like uh, pictures of houses, pictures of roofs, pictures of streets. I thought that was really cool. Uh, and then one other thing I really liked is what you said was uh, – the stagehands in the black. Yeah. Uh, at first, I was just like, what the fuck is going? Because uh, a guy's walking and then out of nowhere, a, a guy in all black kind of like stands up <laughs> in the bottom of yeah. the screen and then points. And then the actor walks that way. And then he like kind of sinks back down out of frame. And I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> um, like, I figured it like I was like, OK, I think they're doing that play thing because that was the whole intro. Uh, which, so there's some scenes where it's like really cool where they switch the sets, like the sets are flipping 
uh, and the stagehands are moving characters around. And I was like, oh, man, that's really cool. And then sometimes it's like comical at like how silly it is. Uh, like there's a scene near the end when the lovers are like walking away and they're in a cemetery and the guy's like, oh man, we need a real plan here. And then you see a black arm with a sword just come into frame and hand the guy the sword, which I think is supposed to be like serious because like it works in other scenes, but I thought that was so funny because it's like, it was like, it it reminds me of like a Marlin Brothers movie or (laughs) like a a Wayne's Brothers movie. Marlin Brothers, like a Wayne's Brothers movie. Or like a Zucker Brothers movie. Yeah, like where an arm would just like come into frame, be like, here, here's your prop, here's your prop. Yeah. Uh, so like there, there are times where I think it's really successful, and there are times where I'm like, this is like hilarious I, in how goofy it is. I, I like the one where it's like the freeze frame where they're like, oh, here's like some a, a scroll, like this letter on it, and then like black figure shows up, takes it, and, and everyone freezes, and then they take it out of the hands, it holds it to the screen, and then. Yeah. They return it to the hands and they, they do a perfect job because the, the guy yeah. doesn't like have to adjust his hands again. He just like gets it and then they continue the scene on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that one was really good. I like that one too. Uh, so like there are times it works. There's times that it doesn't. And then there's other things like uh, things that like I it's it's a cultural difference thing. But like, you know, that black stuff that they chew that makes their teeth all black Egg, eggplant. Yeah, it's so distracting for me. It's like because all I can see is like just jet black teeth. And I was so taken aback. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. When did that lady have black teeth? And I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, that's that Japanese thing. We're, we're, and then there was a sign of classiness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then there was that dude wearing that alfalfa dental wrap around his head where he had like a toothache. <laughs> I was like, what is that? Uh, so there was that. Um, there was one line I thought was really funny when uh, they have that staged uh, samurai encounter. And I was like, this might be lost in translation, but they like throw that like bad guy on the ground and he says, stamp on him in punishment. And the guy just starts stomping on him. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyways, this movie is really weird. Uh, those are things that I kind of liked things that worked, things that didn't work. Uh, this, the story in this movie, I don't think is interesting at all. Um, I mostly, just got tired of seeing these babies on screen for so long because they're so whiny and it's like oh we're we're like forbidden lovers oh we can't be together and it just like it came off really emo to me where they're just like oh we're crying all the time dusting off emo yeah yeah some people will remember what that was uh there is one quote i wrote down which i was just like oh shut up like i think i said that out loud to myself Uh, the guy's crying because he can't be with his fucking girlfriend even though he has a family and he says tears of sadness and joy flow the same way and i was just like oh shut up my chemical romance like i don't i don't like what you're talking about here i actually like my chemical romance that was a bad example (laughs) Your, skin, your, skin, your skinny pants, your skinny jeans. Yeah, your good Charlotte with your makeup oh, and what's Gerald, Gerald, your Gerald Way, right? In Gerald Way. Yeah, exactly. So 
like there's things in this movie I think are really cool and things that work, but the 80% of this movie is about how this guy is in love with this prostitute and how he can't be with her because he has a family and it's like, it's like frowned upon and, he's, and, it's and, just he's, like, and, he, and he sucks at everything and he sucks at everything. Yeah, Everybody makes like, fun of him. Okay. And like they, they paint a good picture about like how it's like, Oh yeah, it must suck to be these guys. Cause everybody in the town makes fun of them and everybody knows and everyone shits on them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, you know, what i would too because this, these people are pathetic it's like i want to be with this lady and it's like well go do it then shut up mm-hmm. um, yeah so that that was the majority of my my watching of this film i was just like i don't care about these people suck they it suck. up suck it yeah, up yeah it's like stop being a baby you little wieners quit being a little bitch <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i mean can you can you say you didn't fe- like think that too well, okay so my Going back to my notes here. Uh, there's, my, of course, my note. This has, like, kind of been a common theme, uh, going back to even Seven Samurai, is the uh, the weird meanness of, like, feudal Japan in, like, in movies. Like, there's always a consistent thing of, like, how cruel, uh, like, this world is in these Japanese movies. We're just like, so here we got, like, the classic story of a prostitute uh, woman who's now an, who's an indentured slave who, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, they don't, they don't, like, really, like, they kind of glance over the fact that it's like, yeah, your job fucking sucks. Like, it's disgusting. Dudes just come along. They run around in you on top of you. You writhe around. Eh, eh, and they go, uh, and they move on. And then you do that all day long. All day. Dudes, mm-hmm. gross dudes come along and they just fucking run around because it's socially acceptable here at this point in time. And this is your job until someone comes along. It's like, all right, lady, I'm going to save you from being rutted around, or I like you enough to save you from this shitty life. Um, and we get that scumbag, rich dude who's flaunting his wealth. And he's just like, like mm-hmm. hilariously like vile. Cause he's like, ha, I'm so rich. And that guy's such a loser. Cause he has no money. And that's the only thing that matters. <laughs> and that's like mm-hmm. the theme of like, I don't know. These guys always come up on top. Like they always like in these movies, they're like, they're just always like so one note. It's like, do people like who are wealthy really like wallow in their richness like this? Is that all they talk about? I guess like, I don't know. It's like broad sort of dramatic stuff. Um, I don't think about wealth, but that's why like I'd be the guy being made fun of by like rich scumbag dudes that just want to like, sleep with my courtesan that I'm trying to save. And it's taking me like three years to like fail at saving up like 80 bucks. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. And it's just like always taking advantage of people and just like people are always getting kicked around. There's always some serving people. It's like, it's I always feel like I'm watching the same beats in some of these movies. And I'm like, Oh, it's like, yeah, this, is a, this, this is some real like similarities. And like, I find it fascinating, but then this is like all playing out under like the beautifully designed <laughs> aesthetics of Japan in any like era. It's like every, like when they go to those houses and stuff like that and the interiors and like the, the calligraphy and everything, you're like, man, everything's so well designed. Everything looks so nice. Um, <laughs> the, the scrolls, like the whole process of like block wood print making and stuff like that. It's like, Oh, this stuff's so beautiful. But it seems like in the movies, everyone's evil and vile and like reprehensible to some degree or, or like and the, if you're like not a bad person you're a really sad piece of shit poor person like you're like just groveling and like so like ba- always begging for forgiveness like these are like the extremes of like this uh, this genre I guess and like I don't mm-hmm. I try to think of like it's similar to like uh, like 
I guess the, the equivalent of a feudal Western world, which is I guess is like something like uh like Henry V, like that like in- English ba- like land where it's like yeah, poor people are all very like t- t- bowing their heads to rich people, and they can just be mm-hmm. killed at the drop of a hat by rich people. And like it's the same thing. It's like rich and evil is like goes hand in hand and then there's like oh once in a while like good rich person but then they'll eventually like take get taken advantage by an, another rich evil person or aspires to be more rich and then they'll get mm-hmm. they'll fall and there'll be revenge it's all the same sort of thing so this movie doesn't it's just or this story is kind of like really wallows in the shittiness of the situation and like the the two characters that you're supposed to be like well this movie's called double suicide so we kind of know where it's going but obviously mm-hmm. suicide has a completely different role in Japan than it does in the west yes where it's quite uh vilified um uh-huh. and, and in Japan I mean there's like this idea of like there, there are concepts of heaven and hell are quite different and it's like in the more buddhist tradition Go and again on. I, I'm not an expert in this stuff but like oh. there, there's like I mean fuck there's like suicide forest in Japan and it's like yeah people just go kill themselves still We should go record a podcast in that forest Yeah and find dead bodies and comment about it and we'll yeah. make and we'll get those YouTube bucks and then mm-hmm. we can taser a dead animal it would be hilarious uh, uh, that one yeah Andy, that one upset. Yeah. Anyways. anyways, so yeah, there's like, um, I don't know. Did you feel similar? Like, yeah, because, yeah. No, totally. For the like, that's what I mean. Like when I while watching this, I was like, there are things that I like. There are things that are pretty cool. There are a lot of things I don't like, and it's like I feel like some of these things are lost through culture and. I don't know. It, it it's it's things that's maybe I don't understand. Maybe if I lived in Japan, I would understand better. Yeah, um, but uh, I don't, yeah. so I don't. And like I don't know, what's the job of the filmmaker but to like draw you into this? But like this yeah. person's making a movie that's about alienating you from narrative. <laughs> so like, they're like, well, I don't need to do that because you know the story. But for us people who don't know the story, it's kind of like watching an experimental film about like something that like is part of a tradition in another country. And so now you have to kind yeah. of just appreciate it for like its own aesthetic values. And mm-hmm. I don't think this movie does enough to like demonstrate those things as being unique or like, Whoa, this movie is like a really great example of that. Like, I just, I don't know. I wasn't feeling it, but there's like stuff I like. Mm-hmm. I love like the, how uh, you have the, the ink splattered walls in the movie. Yeah. Cause they yeah, look like, cool. cause it looks like it reads like blood, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of like a, uh, uh, yeah, it's like kind of like a psychic violence of scenes rather than like things actually happening. There's that one movie I watched uh, last October, that Demons movie, that like is totally uh, like it's very straightforward uh, and it's like looks similar, but like it's violent, but it takes advantage of the fact that it's black and white to like make it so mm-hmm. gory. And I kept thinking back to that and I was just like, so I kept reading all that as blood, which I think is what it's kind of going for. It's like kind of a design element, but it's also kind of showing the violence and cruelty of this place, uh, of, of this story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and here's my note. So we have a guy who is in love with a prostitute, a courtesan, and he's married to mm-hmm. two kids, and they all get to put up with this fucking dirt bag. <laughs> this guy. Yeah. Um, another thing, uh, I'll admit that being uh, a hetero white male oh, God. Uh, that does not live in Japan... There's times where I was like, who's that again? 
Like, I, it was kind of hard to tell who some people were. Like, the whole thing with, Unbelievable. The, with the stuff with the brother. <laughs> like, and it's like, there's like other characters that show up and they all have like those, those haircuts, the fucking top knot. And I'm like, who, like, there's not enough to dis- distinguish between certain characters. I'm like, wait, did I fall asleep? Did, did I miss something here? Like, the brother, he was trying to like, pretend to be a samurai and he was going to bail her out but it was like a plot and i'm like mm-hmm. uh but, but wait that happened later and now we're going back again but there's like no real like thorough line of like what just happened again i'm like oh i don't know this is like then it loses me and then it, mm-hmm. then the movie continues on um and it all is building toward the suicide how they're going to kill themselves should they kill themselves what's the right thing to do and this idea of relationships with the family and it's just like a lot of people coming in yelling at these people and they start feeling more sorry for themselves and more disgraced. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of plays out over and over and over again. And um, I don't know. It's not my type of movie. Uh, Sounds like a real cis male answer. It's just not <laughs> It's just not my thing, man. It's fine it's, if it's your thing. It could be someone else's thing. Uh, but the know. fact that, I don't yeah. know, like there's going to be uh, some people who are going to watch this movie for the first time because they're listening to this podcast and they want to, right along i'm curious what they'll think uh when they get to it well see that's what i mean it's a mixed bag like there there are parts that i think are really good there's just a lot of other parts that aren't and it's just like it's just not up there with the you know the finer cinema that we watch for this show (laughs) like uh, all your adam sandler films yeah that's right big fan yeah i don't know i don't like to think of myself as uh being basic but sometimes I just want to, I don't know. I was. What did you eat for dinner tonight? A uh, tofu scramble wrap. Yeah, you basic girl. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. This movie is just kind of there for me. Sure uh, is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe other people will like it more. Um, but I hope somebody likes so, this fucking but on, movie. On the, on the other hand, I didn't hate this movie. No, it's not bad. It's just like, whatever. Yeah, it's kind of like, you'd have to be really like, maybe if you get more into the director, um, yeah. you'd be like more invested in what uh, they're doing. I like, mm-hmm. at this point, it's like a blind thing. And based on this, I'd be like, I'm not really interested in watching more of this stuff. Because there's like so many other like, I mean, I'd rather watch more Ozu movies at this point, Kurosawa, like all the obvious Japanese yeah. directors. And there's like other like lesser known directors that I would also watch probably before this. But I don't. Mm-hmm. So, who hates double suicide? Um, Zachary Kirkwood, one nice. star. A story so rote and flimsy cannot be supported by half baked <laughs> metatextual touches that quickly become tedious. The inevitability of the double or the doomed romance forbidden love or results in scenes presumably designed to build up intrigue, i.e., everything involving Jai's frigid put upon wife, that flat line upon arrival. The social commentary is ham fisted as well, in any case in, in case anyone cares. I don't know. Sure. I, I pretty well like whatever that meant, but like, sure. I'm, not, I'm not sure what the social commentary is necessarily. Yeah. Do you, do, what do you think about that? Is there social commentary going on? Uh, uh, I don't know. What, maybe in what? Japanese social fucking maybe. structures. Yeah, I, I don't know. Not it's, our I, world. Whatever, whatever is there, it seems like it's pretty plain faced and like I couldn't really criticize it being like, well, that's what the movie's about, I guess. Yeah. So it's like, I guess it's ham fisted. If it's so obvious that I don't even notice it or think about it, it's being a problem. <laughs> um, and the text on this is so small, I can barely even read what their name was. Come on. Ed 
crack or something like that. Two stars because so few people have actually watched this movie. Yeah. This is certainly not the kind of new wave I love. Visually, it's a treat, but a story, not so much. It's a very traditional uh, JP story, but the whole puppet thing is not put to much use. Yeah, I wanted more puppets. And it's mostly visual gimmick. Uh, apart from that, it's same old fate, silly honor code, etc. For me, it's a very regressive cinema, especially considering when it was made. Regressive uh, cinema. Reg- Shut re- up. Regressive. A throwback, even for 1969. And I'm like, yeah, okay, mm. I, I don't think so. I mean, it's pretty like for experimental film, it's like very much in line with stuff that was being made uh, in that period of time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. People, sometimes they like to just say things, don't they? Potato. Potato. There you go. Huh. Yeah, I don't know about that regressive filmmaking <laughs> shut up <laughs> how about that uh poster art though that's pretty it does look pretty nice no this movie like looks so good but uh um... yeah it's got good parts it's just i don't know you watch it and you're like whatever mm-hmm. okay. whatever you know what for shits let's take a look who gives this bad boy five stars let's take a look. very the very first the, the, the very first one okay all right Knox gray one of the best cinematic middle fingers I have seen lately. <laughs> I think the conversation of this movie went something like this. Oh, some creative writing. Studio. Oh, hey, Shinoda, can you make us a classical tragedy film? Shinoda, why would I want to do that? Those are fucked up, man. We demand you made this oh, film. Fine, I'll give you your classical tragedy and you'll like it. Ugh. Shinoda plays this almost like a comedy. It has this sarcastic air about it, and it uses puppeteers to point out how fucked up, vile, and misogynistic the society is around it. The Western equivalent would be a stop-motion Romeo and Juliet, and you have to watch Shakespeare force these two kids into suicide. Um, The way I picture this person is them sitting at, like, a pub, texting girls while writing this review, waiting for their beer, their beer in Clamato. Because it's like, hey, man, you know how this conversation went out? Yeah, fucking tragedies are lame, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make one of my own. This person sucks. Okay. Uh, one more. Patrick McCoy, five stars. Double Suicide is another fascinating film from director Mashiro Shinoda. Shinoda's framing of the well-known story, well-known, <laughs> as a... Bonraku puppet play is interesting in that the film opens with a theater troupe preparing for a play. When the action begins, it is not completely realistic, although there are many realistic elements like traditional Japanese houses and clothing, blackened teeth on the women, and other period-specific details. However, the backdrop is stylized with woodblock prints and other artistic flourishes. However, the most telling detail that draws attention to this film is a contrived experience driven by the author and director is the presence of the kabuki stagehands dressed like traditional black. Uh, yeah, that's pretty well exactly right. Uh, they represent the fatalism of tradition and character, according to Donald Ritchie, uh, via Joe Mellon's Voices from the Japanese Cinema. Uh, there are some memorable performances by the leads Shima Iwashita, who plays the long-suffering wife and the object of her husband's straying with the prostitute Kaura. The straying husband is played by Kichiman Nakamura. Nakamura, I know how to pronounce 
It is yet another exploration of the individual versus society. One is expected to suppress personal happiness for the sake of the family. Instead, these two opt for double suicide. So, okay, put in those terms. Uh, what movie comes to mind t- thinking about the idea of individuals versus repressive societies? Perhaps Douglas Sirk movies that we watched uh, several weeks ago, like Written on the Wind or All That Heaven Allows. Um, double Target. Or, or Double Target, but like doing yeah. the right thing, going doing back the right thing. into the jungle and the Vietnam and Donald Pleasance's mm-hmm. Senator Blaster. Um, no, but so I think about these movies and like obviously uh, 1950s American melodramas are very straightforward, but mm-hmm. I feel that they capture that. It's like those movies are almost like absurd in like how... Uh, repressed the 50s world was this idea of like uh, a 40 year old woman marrying a 34 year old man like it's yeah. kind of like funny and like this is like clearly like I don't know it's a world where hey you're like letting your business crash around you and you want to be with this woman and mm-hmm. you're not supposed to do that and even though it's like people have side pieces all the time <laughs> and uh, but in this side- like, excuse me <laughs> Um, so anyway, eh, no, I don't know. This movie doesn't do that very well. I don't think I, I, I it, it didn't draw Not me really. in. It didn't draw me into that relationship. I didn't really feel that this was like, uh, anything of note. I, I didn't learn that message, I guess. Uh, you sound like a review for this podcast. Did I? <laughs> did yeah. I? Okay. Maybe. Anyway, <laughs> lots of five-star reviews though. People, people are into it. Mm, I feel like people just do that because they're like, it's a classic, not yeah. not on the creeps, not on the creeps. Yeah. Um, hey RJ, any last words before we shuffle off this mortal coil and uh, go kill ourselves under a bridge while like dude gets hung? That bit was cool. I think that if you don't take some initiative and make this happen, it won't just be a double suicide, but it might be a murder suicide because. I don't want to do this anymore. I can do this jail. podcast. You could do some jail time. Yeah. Not with the laundry list of fucking felonies, I'm leaving you in this country, man. I'd get like a slap on the wrist, and I, I, I probably mm, even get true, I'd, even, I'd even get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, I can take those Facebook comments. Nobody's listening. It's okay. <laughs> it's all good. Yep. Um, well, after the break, yep. Uh, RJ and I are dead. further into the wonderful world of Japanese kabuki. Only kabuki I want to see is from our man. You know the one. Criterion Creeps alumni. 
Yeah. That I'm totally not looking up right now. Toshiro Mufune. Yeah, where was he? He should have been in this. He's Japanese. He he's in everything in Criterion yeah, Japanese movies, so what the hell? Yeah. Um, you can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com, and you can tell us about Kabuki. Or how you plan to kill your significant other in a crime of passion or, or your, with us. Well, or your podcast co-host. Um, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We've got that Patreon page. You can give us money. That's always cool. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that trash. Mm-hmm. Next week, spine number 105, the big dog himself, Stanley Kubrick, arrives. Oh, shit. I had no idea. He's, he's here. Kubrick's here. Amazing. Uh, 195 minutes flopping it out on the fucking counter. Because we are going to be watching Spartacus. Holy fuck. I had no idea, dude. Spartacus from 1960. And we'll be learning about Tony Curtis. And we're going to be learning about snails and oysters. And getting crucified on roads. Spoilers. Uh, And how Kirk Douglas died of old age. (laughs) How <laughs> oh, he's still alive. Oh, he's shit. He's not. Oh, There's dude. no way he's no. still alive. Oh, God, RJ. There's no way. RJ. RJ, we're recording a podcast about a movie with Kirk Douglas in it next week. There's no way he's alive. Watch, watch out. He... Kirk. Kirk, watch out. Fuck oh, you. Yeah. shit. You know what's funny is, like, Spine 105, does he plan on living until he's 105? Holy shit. Okay, so, uh, unfortunately, oh, he's 101. Fuck. <sighs> So, uh, I'm just calling it right now. Like, there's a good chance, people, that Kirk Douglas might die in the next, like, two weeks. Yeah, but if he does, then we and we get shut down because you get investigated. I I distance myself from all the opinions of and Jared Mike, Duncan. Michael Douglas has got money, man. He'll come for us. Mm. And he'll tell us all about how Cunnilingus gave him fucking <laughs> throat cancer. Well, yeah, that's why no one should ever... It, take part of any sexual activity no only receive never give the michael <laughs> douglas story <laughs> oh my god uh good night <laughs> yep